Welcome to the eighth episode of the Game 4 podcast. In this episode, here in the uh, wind tunnel, uh, we will be beginning our series on getting started by discussing on how you can get started in miniature wargaming, which is kind of a subject that's near and dear to my heart. As You don't say. No, you know, I know. But this is the beginning of our series because we're going to be also talking about role-playing games at some point. We'll talk about board gaming and mm-hmm. we'll talk about... Um, collectible card games. Collectible card games as well. Yeah. So yeah, those are the four main genres um, that we deal with in the Game 4 app, which is, we're uh, Milkham. Um, I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And uh, we make an app called Game 4 for Connecting Tabletop Gamers. And in that app, we talk about the main four genres, which are board games, uh, collectible card games, RPGs, and today's topic, tabletop wargaming. Um... So what have you been doing lately, Matt, since the last episode? Oh, I've been busy. Yeah? So I finally, finally, finally finished my gaming table. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is downstairs in the basement. It is installed. Um, but yeah, that thing was a beast, but it is done. Um, well, you, it's it's not just like, oh, wait, I, I built a gaming table. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I went a little overboard on it, but so uh, ended up getting um, some scrap uh bowling lanes right yeah so this is not just like you went and bought some wood you yeah. got actual bowling lanes. yeah so there's a there's a bowling alley that's about i don't know about a quarter mile from my house mm-hmm. uh they went out of business uh the family retired and nobody wanted to take it over uh so they uh got the uh, you know and they're selling the land to locals so uh they're ripping out the lanes mm-hmm. and pieced them up and we're selling around the community uh this one uh Somebody in Greenville, which is about mm, 45 minutes away, 30 minutes away from me, mm-hmm. uh, bought this on his farm. He was going to build something with it, decided it wasn't good, um, put it up for sale again. Um, so we went and bought it. Did you find it like on uh, Craigslist or something? Uh, or? My wife's, uh, she's a teacher, so it was like the school district uh, like swap meet gotcha. type site. Sure. Uh, but yeah, we drove out uh, early spring and picked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, got stuck. Had to get our van hauled out of the mud because <laughs> it was on his about, about by his uh, barn. Right. And uh, brought it back home. So yeah, it made a big round trip and brought it back. Um, but yeah, then I got some uh, extra oak and lumber and finished it off. Uh, and, and metal legs, you use like a piping kind yeah, of. Yeah, I like used uh, cast iron piping. Right. Uh, got to figure out all the d- different pers- ways that goes together, uh-huh. and the right height, and yeah, it was. But fun. I've seen some pictures. It looks really cool. Well, thank you. Showed you. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm planning on getting onto my blog soon. So yeah, no, that'll be cool. Definitely, we'll we'll have to share that once it gets uh, done on the blog. There, yeah, pretty much doubled the our gaming space for. Her. So we got to do our first D and D session on it uh, last weekend and uh, it was nice. I could actually uh, spread out, uh, everyone could put their books on it yeah. and we still had room, so. Nice. And the, uh, yeah, we've got new chairs that are coming that the uh, everything looks like it's pipe and everything as well, so. Uh, so like matches? Yeah. Well, that's cool. So it was, and it was on sale, so. Nice. Uh, yeah, that comes Friday. It was supposed to be like a th- like two or three weeks th- away and uh, got the notice that we should get it uh, Pretty much when people are starting to listen to this, I'll be assembling chairs. So. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I did that, and uh, then last night I got to do another uh, online RPG. And like, when you mean online, you mean like on like Discord, a Discord yeah, like not so, a video game, right? Yeah. So, so outside of D and D, it's hard for me to get away, you know, with the kids mm-hmm. and and everything. So when they go to bed, uh, 
every couple of weeks we try to get together on Discord and, and play, you know, random RPGs. Uh, this one was um, Mothership RPG. Yeah, which I picked up at Origins, actually. And I'm not really a big RPG player, but I was just like, well, this looks kind of interesting. I mean, it's a small little book. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the artwork, and I thought, and it's like kind of a one-off kind of a situation. Right? Yeah, right. It's like a horror kind of space RPG. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, kind of like aliens type yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah, so it was... Yeah, it was fun. We, we uh, did a one-shot. Uh, one of uh, my friends ran it, and uh, yeah, it was really really interesting. We were uh, delivering a prisoner to a prison planet, and uh, something had gone horribly wrong, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like Doom, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then we had to basically try to figure out how the heck we were going to get out of there. Sure. Yeah, no, that's very so, cool. Lots of fun. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how about you? What have you been up to? Um, well, if uh, our listeners can't tell, I've been sick. And it's been gross. Uh, I came back from uh, the Nova Open out in D.C. And uh, I brought back some sort of con crud, which did not rear its ugly head for... Like, I got back on on a Sunday night, and then it was like Labor Day, and there was some stuff and whatever. And then by Thursday of that week after, like Thursday evening, I started feeling a real scratchy throat. I'm like, oh, I'm getting a sore throat. That's a bummer. And then Friday, I basically just had Kleenex stuffed up both nostrils all day, and my eyes were running and everything. And I'm like, oh, my allergies have kicked in. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And then um, Saturday, I felt worse. And then on Sunday, uh, I did my live show. Yep. And uh, I like just like blew my nose and did everything I could like early in the morning, get everything out. Yep. Did my live show. It was okay. I had to like turn off the camera once in a while to like wipe at my appendages and whatever <laughs> and then come back and then by the end of the show like both the nostrils were just completely plugged like this and then people were just like you should stop you should you're just I'm like alright uh, and then I got worse on Sunday and then I'm like this is not allergies and uh, and then it's just achy and everything and all that kind of stuff and yeah so like literally today is about the first that I've felt okay yeah. now that's not gaming as it turns out uh, at some point over the weekend, though, I do remember I did do a little bit of work on some terrain for my Star Wars Legion table. That um, is dedication. Well, yeah. Uh, I was just like... Well, per- partially, it was also because it was cooler in the basement. And mm. so... Um, uh, and it just... It, I don't know. Everything was just warm, and I was warm, and it was because I was sick, and I was in the basement, and I was like, oh, this is nice and cool. Now, I'm not going to like that in the winter, of course, obviously. In the winter, mm. it's always cold. It's, it's, it's all get out down there. But yeah, so I ju- all I did was um, I took a 3D-printed um, kind of Tatooine-style building, and I kind of attacked it with um, some spackle and uh, mm. a putty knife okay. yep. because I wanted to look like... Um, like there's like plaster that they put on the outside of it and a bunch of it has been kind of gone away and okay, you kind of sure. fake that by putting spackle on it and then kind of spreading it out and stuff hopefully it'll turn out we'll see I need to do some sanding to it now before I start to spray paint and go from there but nice. um, it's kind of also a uh, like almost like a test piece you okay. know what I mean like it's sure. a situation where I need to like make sure this process works before because I've got a dozen buildings that I want to put yeah on so table. you didn't do all a dozen right this no no time. I did one and that was a test yes. yeah yeah uh, otherwise, um, what seems to happen when I get ill is uh, I just wanted to play Minecraft. I just, uh, when I wasn't, like, just laying on the couch or taking a nap or whatever. If, it, if Again, if, like, for whatever reason, yesterday it was really warm here, kind of unseasonably so, in comparison to today, which is mm-hmm. cold and rainy. Um, 
And so I just went in the basement and I sat and played Minecraft and stuff, which I feel like I, I'm doing something. I'm still kind of building. You're still being creative, yeah. Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, it's not just, you know, uh, shooting guys or whatever. It's stuff like that. I'm like, I'm still making a weird little castle and uh, digging yeah. underground. And so so you're, are you doing like an open world or, you're, you know, I'm just doing it single player on, okay. my, on yeah, using the Java edition. Um, I would love to sometimes, I think, I think it'd be fun to have a server and like kind of go in and out and stuff like that with a group of friends, but... uh I haven't done that yet. Um, so, yeah. Otherwise, that yeah. So, not... I feel as if this weekend was a bit of a lost weekend because I didn't really get much done other than messing with that one uh, building. Um, but, yeah. So, that's that's kind of where that's been. There's at. a lot of cold months to get a lot of stuff done coming up, though. No, that's very true. That is very true. I, it's just the thing is with a lot of that terrain, I do want to be able to spray paint it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll probably finish it with airbrush, but I do want to get kind of the initial mm -hmm. stuff done. So, I do want to start to hustle. So, hopefully, maybe this weekend, I'll at least feel better enough that I can get some more of that stuff done so yeah sure um, awesome yeah so uh, but uh, we Re got something kind of new yeah this I'm episode. very excited this yeah. was great when it came in yeah, absolutely yeah we've uh, for the last uh, I don't know seven episodes or so we've been saying hey if you've got a question you know you can email us at podcast or is it podcasts podcast at uh, iamgameforward.com mm -hmm. and uh, and somebody did so um, we've got a listener named Rich who uh, sent us an email. Um, it starts off, Dear Hobby Heroes, which I appreciate. That's a, I think I, th I was hoping I was included in that. But no, yeah, no, I think that we are. Both of oh, us as heroes. Yeah, yeah, because it's two or at least you know more than one. All we right. should get business cards. Uh, yes, so that's spectacular. Dear Hobby Heroes, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your quality content and product. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm sure you are busy, but I'd like to lay out my current strategy and get your input. A year ago, I got into the miniatures hobby in earnest for the first time. It's been a whirlwind love affair ever since, and I'm sure you are, as I'm sure you are familiar. Starting out with only my brother in uh, Age of Sigmar, a game made by uh, Games Workshop, uh, I began to trail off into 40k, wherever 40,000, and Kill Team, which is a, another game of theirs. I soon realized Kill Team has been a great... Uh, been a great starting point uh, for both cost and rules. I began to influence people to play, then Warcry came out and I had an epiphany. So Kill Team and Warcry are both games also made by, by Games Workshop. Right. They're the biggest in the industry for miniatures. Um, both smaller kind of skirmish style games. Yep. Uh, Warcry is the most recent. It just came out in July, I think. Yes. Um, Anyone who's ever had an RPG, or anyone who's ever played an RPG, video RPG, CCG, collectible card game, and the like, could get into this easily. Talking about Warcry, uh, it, right? Because it's got a lot of fantasy elements to it, right? Well, it's a fantasy thing, but it's also Warcry is got a simpler rule set even than Kill Team. Okay. Uh, and Kill Team, I would say, has got a simpler rule set than 40K, which is the Absolutely, large yep. army game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's there. It's related. Whereas in Warcry, the it's a simpler rule set that's not quite related to Age of Sigmar, which is the fantasy version kind okay. of that's more yep. army-based. So, uh, it was admittedly a easier game to get into for players new to wargaming. No saves, prefab terrain setups, and game uh, conditions allow for easy sh shop play, playing at you know your local game store. I've reached out to one of my local stores and have scheduled a demo day. Um, between me and my three friends, I plan to have between five or se five to seven of the current war bands for Warcry available for play. My intention is to gradually get a legitimate miniatures culture going with paint and build days and the like. I would like, I would just like tips on where to go next or what I could be doing to really make this a thing here. 
Thank you for your podcasts and continuous encouragement to keep it the hobby. Well, that was very awesome. nice. That was great. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. So, yeah. so Thank really, you the, so much. the no. main question here is: I would like tips on where to go next. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like he kind of followed like our episode two of, you know, if your game's not popular, he took you know, mm-hmm. getting that game. You know, he's, so that he's, was he's, episode he's, two. Yeah, it was two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, get, making multiple armies so that he could demo it, scheduling a demo day, talking to his local store. So right. Exactly. Sounds like he he kind of hit all the bullet points there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I would just like tips on what to do next or what could we do to really make this a thing. Well, one thing that we talked about actually in the last episode, in episode seven, was how to start a gaming club. Like, mm-hmm. in a more uh, official is a strong term, but right. something that's a little bit more official. So, Or at least uh, a place where everyone can schedule and meet games. Uh, yeah, exactly. Schedule games, talk, you know. Having some sort of online or whatever kind of situation where you can... Um, you know, if you if you've decided at your local shop that Thursday night is is War Cry night, that's cool. But you're then depending very much on the people at the store who work there, who've got a lot of other things on their plate, right? To tell people about that who come into the store and that kind of stuff. Which you know, right? And 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 good stores that are proactive will do that. And also hoping that Thursdays is the best night for everybody. Right. Exactly. You could that's be not mis- necessarily right. the best. You night could be missing out on with other people. Yeah. Exactly. So you may have somebody who has to work on Thursday nights or is whatever. You know that they kind work of thing. night shifts during the week. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that situation, you still want to be able to include those types of folks, in my opinion. And that's where, um, really, something, frankly, like Game Four is very helpful for being able to get people not only to uh, you know post your events that you're putting up for let's say Thursday night so people right. who are new to the area or people who de- don't even realize it start seeing that in the game events mm-hmm. you know what I mean they start seeing that event in there because as a club when you post a public event it goes into the game events listing that people see when they first bring up the app absolutely um, that's very helpful and then beyond that um, you know just having an actual club that you start within game four allows then conversation back and forth in the chat area so those folks who can't make thursday night normal game night could be like well is anybody else interested in playing on saturday afternoon right. or is anybody able to play on sunday right. whatever you know that kind of stuff also allows mentorship and like creative insights so like uh you know how, how should i do this army oh, what am i doing this or you know Hey, what do you guys think about this? I did this, mm-hmm. you know, you get, you get that feedback, you know. I mean, if you're focusing the club specifically on just Warcry, let's just say, for example, because that's what we've got to hear mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the message, then that's fine. You can do that. Um, and then in that situation, you're going to have people having communications back and forth about how they're painting their warbands and how they're doing this. And, and the thing is, is that what's interesting about Warcry, and I know this just because I, I own it, and it's, it's, it is a cool game, uh, it lo- the, the starter box that you come with comes with two armies mm-hmm. and then there are four more armies that are all basically the same faction they're all kind of chaos and they're all brand new to the game but the game that's affiliated with it which is Age of Sigmar which is basically fantasy you know Warhammer mm-hmm. um, there are certain groups that you can bring from that game into this game okay and then you know there's specific models in each faction the good guys which are known as order and the sort of crazy orcs and whatnot which are known as destruction and then there's the undead folks which are known as death and that kind of stuff so you can bring different people in from those groups as well specific models so there's a lot of like there's it's not required that you do a lot of army building but there is some questions that the newer player may be like well i need to know a little bit more about this or whatever so it it can be both the conversation you're having about like how do I 
do my bases to make them look nice or whatever like sure. how do i texture them to anywhere from like is it better to use two of these guys or only one of them or sure, strategy, you know, that kind of stuff. Or, yeah. exactly yeah okay. that kind of stuff so that kind of conversation um i mean obviously those conversations go best when you're sitting there face to face at right. the gaming table or at the shop you know if you can make it on thursday nights in this example that's great but um basically trying to find some sort of online hub some sort of thing that where the the users can communicate um is, is i think really helpful and i think that in our situation one of what we've tried to do with game four is to make it so that it can be something that can really help the uh people like basically it helps you spread out to, to new folks because you right. end up in the game events kind mm -hmm. of feed with your group uh, uh right other other players that maybe play at other stores or play it just with home and, and friends exactly and you might be able to bring them in as well um but then it also helps to bring in people who haven't even played yet or are interested in that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and then you also have the communication within the club where people can who can't make the thursday night in this example or whatever can right. get together and have that conversation and i think that it works out pretty well what were you is there anything else that you were thinking about with that um and then, and, and then maybe you know, out, you know, you said demos at the at the game store. You know, maybe look at uh, you know showing up at some conventions. You know, don't just show up, communicate with the, sure, right, yeah, yeah, with the organizers. But you know, kind of show other people your your group. Yeah, you know, kind of be an advocate, and then kind of build that that community. Yeah, if you've got, if you're lucky enough to have a local uh, gaming convention nearby. Um, which we also have a listing in Game 4, of course, for uh, local gaming conventions. Uh, that's another great place to catch people like who have maybe not ever heard of that type of game before or that specific game. You also find things there that you didn't know either. I mean, I, mm -hmm. we, we go to a local convention um, that's maybe about an hour away. It's yep. late February every Yeah, it's year. about there, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's called uh, Fire and Ice, and it's in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. And it's... 500 people roughly probably yeah, that would be my guess yeah and it's a great convention and I have brought miniature games that are designed to in my opinion teach mm -hmm. like you know I, I, I've, I've brought a game called uh, Song of Blades and Heroes which is a kind of an indie um, miniature game where you can use whatever models you want made by a company from Italy actually but they you know it's translated into English and whatnot mm -hmm. and I've run that and had people play it who've never played miniatures before because it's a very simple yet elegant system and it's very easy to teach um, doing that can really help to um, find people in your local area who maybe even aren't online very much but they've right. been coming to this convention for a long time or whatever so yeah that kind of thing not just thinking of your local store or you know if you're if you're playing at the local store i mean you're doing good work by starting there yep obviously absolutely, yeah. but if you do want to kind of spread out even more one big way to do it is also try to see if there's any local conventions mm -hmm. in your area um and th if and there's not i would tell you to start one although that's a whole different episode and it's a lot of work and yes I, i've i've run conventions before so yeah um but yeah it's uh well, yeah and local is a, is a relative term exactly yeah you it know like be, you know your state in your state or country or right yeah if you're overseas like yeah. people don't travel very far sometimes because it's difficult and you know whatever and that kind of thing and i get that whereas here in america you know a local convention might be three hours away mm -hmm. whereas in your country that might be on the other side of the country so you know i mean it's uh uh depends on where you're at but definitely look into that kind of stuff i think it's important to uh to, to go that direction and check that out yeah um and if anyone else has other ideas to give for rich uh you know let us know again yeah absolutely if you're uh, watching this on youtube put some stuff in the comments otherwise if you've got some response um again podcast 
dot no sorry podcast at imgame4.com um, is a good place to email us if you've got any other questions or if you've got a response or some ideas uh, for Rich um, and we can kind of go from there perfect all right so um, as we mentioned the topic for today's episode is about it's part of a series because we're going to start talking about how to get into the four different genres yep. of tabletop war ga- or sorry of, of tabletop gaming and today it's going to be about tabletop war gaming mm-hmm. um now, pedantically, some people will say, oh, well, Risk is tabletop wargaming, or Axis and Allies is tabletop wargaming. I would say, technically, in my opinion, those are board games, mm-hmm. Bo- wargaming board games, mm-hmm. yes. I don't, know if that, I don't know if that makes any sense. But um, generally, tabletop wargaming or tabletop miniature wargaming is those games in which you use small toy soldiers made out of... Uh, metal, uh, resin, generally these days more plastic, mm-hmm. um, and you buy them, and then you put them together and all that kind of stuff and paint them and whatnot, and then you have a strategy game that you play on many different types of boards, depending, uh, mm-hmm. and you kind of go from there. Um, it is important that it is probably... <sighs> Miniature wargaming is just as much about being a creative hobby as it is about and you know this as a person who's begun right. to get into it yeah right. it's as much about being a creative hobby as it is about being a gaming and, hobby. and, and that can be intimidating for the for the person who thinks oh, I, I don't really paint i don't know how to right do that. yeah yeah that, i know that was my hang-up for a long yeah time. and my youtube channel my tabletop minions youtube channel is basically all about teaching people it's not as difficult as you think and all that kind of stuff so, um, yeah, it, it is not as difficult as you think. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, one of the main things, and I'm going to cover this again at the end of this section, but one of the main things to understand is that you will not be good at it at the beginning. Just yes. like, I mean, I don't play guitar, uh, but I recently bought a little tiny weird guitar, uh, and I'm messing with it, and I'm terrible. And you weren't great right from the start. Th- strangely, no. Yeah. So that's. Th- but the thing that's weird is, is that people and I've talked to people a bunch of times who are like, "Oh, but I'm just really terrible at it." I'm like, "Well, how many? How long have you been painting?" You're like, "Oh, like a month." And you're like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> Nobody is good at anything when they start, generally, for the most part. So yeah. Um, anyway, I'll. Uh, but it is a creative hobby, unlike many of the other ones. I'm not saying that. Role playing is not creative or board gaming, uh, but it is a crafting, like working with your hands right. kind of hobby. And, and kind generally. of, a, and it can almost be a solo game away from the game. So the, when you when you when your friends can't get together, there's still gaming activities for you to do, which is what I found was really nice about the hobby. Yeah, you know that's the thing is that if you can't get together and play board games with your friends, you can reorganize your board game pieces. Uh, maybe some of those games, some board games can be played solo. So you got that going for you. Mm-hmm. With miniatures, miniature wargaming, you are probably going to spend more time painting than you are playing. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. Some people will get together like one army and then they just play it because they, that's what they want to do. Like they, there, there's people who love the playing more than the, than the than the actual you know crafting, and that's fine. I personally find myself to do way more crafting than playing. Which is not to say that I don't play. I just spend a lot more time doing the crafting right. portion. And I, I thought I would be, you know, that the first one. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I found I'm collecting miniatures that I, I never planned to play. I right, just yeah. I now build and paint. Exactly, yeah. No, there's something to that, too. And it's not for everybody. I totally understand that. Of the four genres, uh, tabletop wargaming 
um, is probably easily the smallest. Like mm-hmm. when you, when I was at Gen Con, like you know, there's board game stuff everywhere, there's RPG stuff everywhere, and then next is you got like yeah, you know, collectible card games and that kind of stuff, and then way down below is kind of the right. programming and all that kind of jazz. So um, that's kind of the way it works. With um, but the the benefit is that it does allow you. I just I'm going to touch on it real quickly. I think that it's a great hobby because you're working with your hands, um, you're focused on it. It's kind of meditative. I find it to be very stress relieving. I throw on some headphones and listen to an audiobook or a podcast maybe like this one while I sit and I work and um and it really kind of gets rid of all the other kind of stuff that's going on in the day and whatever mm-hmm. and everything like that and I, I I really love that portion of it but not everybody does so there are also games that you can get into that are pre-painted to some degree right um there's not that many of them as it turns out no there's a couple of popular ones mm-hmm. uh, uh, which ones would you hero clicks which is made by WizKids. Yeah. And that is uh, superheroes, basically. Um, the downside with Heroclix, to some degree, is that it is random, random pack, which means you buy a box of not all, it's not all random pack. The majority of the game is random pack, where you buy a box and there's like six or seven models inside, mm-hmm. but you don't know what they are. Okay. So you open it. It's like a pet, like like baseball cards. You open it and you're like, oh, look, I got this guy or whatever, and these guys and whatever. Um, They've been doing that for a really long time. This is not new. That right. game has been out for, oh gosh, it's got to be creeping up on nearly, it's at least 15 years, if not longer. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. I remember buying I the original starter for that game when it came out, and I remember, I had this very strong visual memory of being over at a friend's house, and they have not lived in that house for a very long time. <laughs> so it was. this was, I bet you it's creeping up on 20 years. Wow, okay. Yeah. So um, anyway... But that game has been going strong. You know, they keep all you know superheroes have gotten huge with the video, with the movies and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So that's helped a bunch. But um, and they're not painted well. I'm not gonna lie. The models are kind of rubbery. Right. Um, and so they're kind of bendy. Not a lot of high detail, and they're not very they're not painted very well. But they're also not very expensive. Right. And, it's and, they're, a collectible and, they're, and they're painted well enough that you know who they are. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's not going to win an award. Right. But it's a it's a very different kind of game. I would almost say it's a gateway game between, say, board gaming and miniature gaming because you generally play on a grid. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, but it's it's still very popular. I still see it being played at my local shop. Uh, they get together on Sundays and, and have tournaments and stuff like that. Another one that's a little bit newer that's also, in my opinion, I think painted a little bit nicer, uh, mm-hmm. is uh, Star Wars X-Wing. Yes, that was one of my gateways. Yeah, that was your gateway into into miniatures, right. So Star Wars X-Wing is um, basically ship combat, so it's, you know, it's X-Wings and TIE right. Fighters and Millennium Falcons and all that kind of jazz. Um, but they're already pre-painted as well. Again, higher detail, not particularly rubbery. Right. Um, Individually packaged, so you pick what you want. Right. You're not. You're also not being like, oh man, I sure hope I get a Millennium Falcon when I open this right. package. That's not how it works. You're. 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 Like, you can see like right in the package. I'm mm-hmm. buying this. Not super expensive, in my opinion, either. Like, I mean, normal size spaceships are, I don't know, like fifteen bucks. Yeah, about that. You know, so you get like a an X-wing or a Tie Fighter or whatever. But it comes with. So the, it's it's ready to play out of the box. It comes with a stand and all the stuff and tokens that you need for it and Dice. cards. Uh, well, the dice are in the starter box. In the starter box. Yeah, yeah, but if you buy like just a like you need to buy the starter box to play. Traditionally, it'd be the cheapest way to need, get into it. Right, yeah. because you need to have the dice and there's these special kind of cardboard rulers. 
Right. The because the, the game is designed so that you are choosing what maneuver you're going to do before you do it. And both you and your opponent do that for each of your ships. Yep. So sometimes you think, I think he's going to go left, so I'm going to turn this way so that I can get behind him. And then it turns out that he went right, and then you're standing there, you know, you moved in the wrong yep. direction. And sometimes you just are staring at each other going, no, we both screwed up that. Yeah, exactly. You know, that happens too. Sometimes you bump into each other. Sometimes you hit a rock. You know I mean? Mm -hmm. it's, it's an interesting game. It's well done. It was incredibly popular for a while. I feel as if its popularity has waned a touch yeah, over the last bit. like two, three years. Yeah, but it's it, still quite popular, mm -hmm. and there's a bazillion ships that they've made for it at this and point. And very dedicated fans. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, and 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 the thing is, is yet yeah, they're painted, but that I've there's plenty of people who also repaint them. Right. And decide, you know what? I'm going to make it look like this. So that works out pretty well. Um, but yeah, there are a few pre-painted games, but there's not that many of them. The majority of them are all about getting stuff like painted and on the table yeah. yourself. Some games will do like the different color plastics, so you can kind of play with just right. assembly, but generally frowned upon to play that long-term unpainted. You're starting to see, yeah, you're starting to see some of these games. Uh, you're right, exactly, where the models are not in gray plastic; they're like in. Well, these models are in red plastic, and these guys are in blue plastic. So at least if you just put them together very quickly, there's still differentiation between them on the tabletop, yeah. Um, but not every company's doing that. Some companies are, uh, I can think some of the bigger ones are doing that here mm -hmm. and there, but yeah. Um, so, like, if you're interested in getting into tabletop wargaming, well, what yes. do you do? Um, one of the things is when you go to the local game shop, you see, like, these big battles going on and you know, Warhammer 40,000 which is a kind of a future sci-fi game, or you might see somebody playing like Bolt Action, which is like a World War II kind yeah. of historical style game with lots of models and things like that. Um, my first piece of advice would be do not start with those games particularly. When okay. you decide, why is that? Well, because if the first game you're ever going to play is something like, let's say, Warhammer 40,000, that's a lot of models for an army. Those games are all designed so that all the models in the game all have a point value. Every okay. model in the game's got a point value, and they're supposed to be in relation to each and other. And that's kind of traditional with wargaming. Predominantly, all wargames have got point value things. So when you and I want to play a game, generally we decide we're going to play, I don't know, a 1,500-point game. Mm -hmm. Now, these point levels are not... Um, they're different in every game. So, like, 1,500 points of... Um, you know, British soldiers can't fight against in, in bolt action. Can't fight against fifteen hundred points of Space Marines in uh, in X Wing or in forty uh, uh, K. That's not the way it works. Right. But within forty K, fifteen hundred points of Tyranids versus fifteen hundred points of Space Marines pretty balanced. supposed to be pretty balanced. Um, you will find plenty of topics online where people are saying that these numbers are not balanced, but that's a, a conversation for another day. Um, but generally. That's a lot of models you have to get together to make that happen. And in some situations, it can be, you know, depending on the army, you have some armies that are horde armies where it's like a lot of inexpensive models. Inexpensive oh, yeah. meaning points-wise. Right, like orcs are Orcs can be, traditionally yeah, orcs have a lot of, you know, if you look at, like, military history, like the Soviet army in World War II was a horde army because right. they were just like, we'll just keep throwing people. We don't have any more yeah, it's tanks just fa or fodder. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then you have very elite armies where each piece takes up a lot of points, and so you don't need as many pieces. But every piece you lose is a definite blow. Right, to because your they're highly strategy. trained. You know, like they're more like a SEAL team type exactly. specialist. Thing. Exactly. So in all situations, like those games are great to move into once you kind of get moving a little bit, but. 
um, over the last 10 years, there's become a real rise in popularity for what's known as skirmish games. And that's what I would probably tell you to look into. Mm -hmm. Skirmish games are games designed to be played with much fewer models. So you're looking at like, you know, skirmish games where maybe sometimes it's five models per side. Right. Or even like two or three sometimes. In some situations, yeah. yeah, Five to ten, you know. Um, Sometimes you see maybe even as many 15, but it's generally I see skirmish being between five and ten models a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a little bit more, but not too much more. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of the thing. And and we were talking a little bit about a gateway game before, talking about like X-Wing and stuff like that. There are plenty of gateway games that you can get into that are not pre-painted, that you can still get a little bit of crafting in and kind of learn the whole thing, but are still also very... I think that they're good to kind of like move you from like if you're already playing some board games and stuff and you really enjoy board gaming but you would like to get into kind of painting miniatures and doing that right. kind of stuff and getting moved there's, without there's being way. fully committed yeah. right yeah so games like uh, Ultima or Ultima I keep, I keep doing that there was this game back in the day called Ultima Underworlds I used to play on the PC like way back in the 90s uh, Warhammer Underworlds is the game um, and there's Shadespire Night Vault there's a third one now that's come out and they're almost like seasons mm-hmm. like first of all Shadespire came out and they came out with eight different warbands for that and they came out with Night Vault and there have been eight different warbands for that and now they're coming out with a third one which I can't think of the name off the top of my head but they're all compatible as well and that's played on a hex grid mm-hmm. and it's a smaller board so you don't have to have like this huge four foot by six foot kind of battle it's a smaller battle some of those um, warbands are as little as three models. I think some of them go up to like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But there's no army building in that game. And when I say army building, I mean the actual like figuring out. Okay, I have a, f- I have. We're playing a hundred point game, so I have to five two of these and six of these guys, and you know all that kind of right. stuff. You're not. Yeah, it's, it's literally you buy a box, and it's like these guys are are an army. That, that's your team. That's yeah. your team. There's no substitution. Right. You can do. Yeah. You can still customize with what cards you you pick for that one. Right. That game's got a lot of cards to it that but, are like. But the, cards but you're not you're not you know forced to paint up a whole bunch of different models and customize them right based on what you're picking it's a it's a very much of a slam dunk as far as like i have this group of guys and or and gals uh, or, or ghosts or skeletons or whatever right. and then boom you're done um and uh and those are one of those games that come in colored plastic like we were talking yep. about before so you can be playing them obviously for a while before you need to paint them if, if that's kind of an issue or whatever but uh yeah that whole that whole um warhammer underworld system is a great like I've seen people at my local shop who are playing it who are like you know magic players like they're into magic gathering and they're like this is really cool and it's still got some cards to it and it's got a you know it it is is a gateway game and it's been pulling people in but it's also got some competitiveness to it you don't have to play it super competitive but there are people who are interested in the competitive thing who are doing that you know quite well and and it's traditionally two players but you can you can go up to four I'm pretty sure yeah I don't know if you can go beyond four I've done four, but yeah, I don't yeah, know if you've played four before. Minutes. But yeah, and it's a fun game. You and I both have played. Yeah, it in the past and, and that's a great way for people that are less experienced because you can kind of gang up on each other when you have multiple players too. Right? Yeah, yeah. And as far as cost, like that particular game, uh, that you know, um, Warhammer Underworld is like the Shadespire starter box. If I remember correctly, it was like sixty bucks. Yeah, and it comes with the dice and the boards and all the stuff and like two warbands. Right. Um, beyond that, 
if you want to buy extra war bands, if you want to just try out a different army and stuff like that, they're like thirty or thirty. I'm pretty sure bucks. they're thirty. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and it comes with the cards and everything that you kind of mm-hmm. need for that, including the models, obviously. And so that's very cool. That's a good. That's a really good gateway kind of starter into um, getting into war games. So yeah, that's uh, Warhammer Underworlds. Um, and then another good one, I think, which is very very gateway gameish. Because it really does kind of come across way more as a as a board game to some degree. Yeah, is um, Zombicide. Mm-hmm. So Zombicide, the upside to that is that if you do want to start practicing painting, Zombicide is amazing because it comes with a bazillion zombies in there, and they're zombies. Right. So like if you are like just basically practicing on zombies, you can just kind of be like, well, you know, and you know, if it's a zombie and it's not perfect, well, it's a zombie. He's dirty. right. He's, he's yeah. He's that's been crawling I, around. I did. That was my artistic license there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So there's a big benefit to that. It's still, it's board gamey, but it has uh, abilities to it. Um, you know, there's some line of sight. There's range. There's things that you use in miniature games that you maybe don't use as much in board games that, that are still considerations when playing, and I think it works out very well that way. Um, and uh, a lot of, you know, and typically that there's a story or some kind of campaign setting that you're going oh, yeah. into. So, you know, people that are traditional RPG players might kind of recognize some of that aspects. Yeah, and they've made tons of different versions uh, now. I mean, there have been a zillion expansions, too, but there's, like, the, the original kind of Zombicide, which takes place in a mall in modern day. Mm-hmm. There's Black Plague, which takes place in fantasy. They've just come out with a new version, which is, like, on a spaceship or something like that mm-hmm. called Invasion, maybe? Or I forget what it's called. Um, yeah, so... There's a lot of Zombicide to choose from, and if you want to, like, practice painting, like, painting on zombies, and a lot of them really can help. And you can... Like, we did a video on my channel uh, a number of years back with my friend Sam, who's an amazing painter, Sam Lenz. Uh, And he basically just showed how to quick paint zombies and it's been a very popular video so yeah there's a lot of videos out there to show you how to do it but definitely you don't want to sit there and spend like four hours per zombie because it will take you the rest of your life but <laughs> um you can really kind of learn quickly and be like well that didn't quite work so well i'll do the next one and then go okay cool and it's not like you're gonna throw away the ones that don't work well they're right. just you know it's just a zombie that's like maybe not quite perfect but you know he's a zombie that's, that's the whole point right um another great gateway game to kind of get started with as well is imperial assault which is a Star Wars game. Right. Um, and again, that's played kind of on a grid, and it's like hallways and stuff like that, and it's a small skirmish game, and you've got your stormtroopers, you've got your rebels, you've got your, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's a boxed game that comes, you know, the, the one thing about a lot of miniatures games is that you kind of have to build, especially when you're getting into an army-style game, you're right. building. So, like, you don't buy one box that says, okay, here's your entire 1,500-point army, right. generally. You're, you know what I mean? You're saying, I need some of, I need five of these guys and five of these guys. you planned right. right, and so you're buying box and box and box and box and building, and everybody's army can be different that way. Whereas a gateway game, generally, like, okay, here's Shadespire. Boom, it's 60 bucks. Or here's, you know, Zombicide, which is, like, I don't know, 80 bucks maybe for the right. whole thing. Um, Imperial Assault's the same kind of way. You can go boom, buy it. Now, there are add-ons and expansions in right. most of these games. Shadespire's the same way. Zombicide's the same way. Imperial Assault, you can have add-ons and expansions, but you have a starting space, which I think is really helpful for people exactly, who are new yeah. in getting into it. Um, and again, you can paint... Like, I mean, honestly, um, our friend Jason like yeah, got yeah. into miniatures because he's a big Star Wars fan, started playing Imperial Assault right, after he'd been playing... X-Wing. X-Wing with me, yep. And then he started painting models. Yeah, we re- played Unpainted, and then yep. he started painting, and then it was like, every time we played, we were like, what'd you paint this time? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And now he's got like a, 
he's got a Sylvaneth army for Age of Sigmar, which is basically tree folks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it's a, it's a whole thing. Um, so yeah, that's that kind of stuff. Looking at those gateway games can be really helpful. Yeah, and for, and for RPG fans, for Imperial Assault, you're playing traditionally just your one character, um, unless you're the one kind of controlling. The, like the Empire. The Empire. Yeah, that's but true. Y- and then you kind of level up as you're going, so mm-hmm. you're building character uh, through it. So Yeah, no, that's that Scratches cool that too. itch as well. Yeah, exactly. And there are plenty of miniatures games, wargaming miniatures games, that have some RPG elements as well, I think. Um, Frostgrave's a big one. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, there are, there are some of those as well. All right, so let's say you're, you're getting interested and you're more interested in that kind of stuff, and maybe right. you're looking for something beyond the gateway games. Um I would tell you, number one is to look around and see what's being played in your local area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you decide, we did a, a, a podcast about this a while ago, you know, sometimes you end up having to try to become an advocate for a game that you really like that nobody plays in your area. But sometimes the easier road to go, especially if you're getting into something new, is to find out what other people are playing. And if you think it's okay, you know, like, if you hate it, you know, right, if everyone's like playing, oh, we all love, you know, some sort of fantasy game, whatever it might be. Or maybe they're all like, Everybody in my area only plays historical games, which is probably not the case. Historical games are not as popular these days as the more fantasy right. and sci-fi stuff. But let's say that's the case. Or, or vice versa, you want to play historical. and Right, exactly. Part. Let's say you're, I'm really, really interested in uh, bolt action or flames of war or something like that, and you can't find anybody around you. Well, that's going to be a tougher kind of road to hoe, you know. But if you're like, I just want to play a miniature game that I can find a bunch of opponents for... Go to your local shop and find out what people are playing. Right. Um, and traditionally, you kind of almost figure that out, you know, just by looking at the shelves. As, you know, if the game has, like, right a few components, they, they barely carry anything in stock. That's very true. Versus they dedicate a whole section to it. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you will generally not find a store that has an entire section devoted to a game that nobody plays. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's rare that they're, like... You like walk in and you're like everybody here plays Infinity, but they don't sell it. But man, they sure do have a lot of um, War Machine. You're like, yeah, nobody plays War Machine here. You're like, well then, uh, why do, why not? Yeah. You know, no, the the game stores basically push what gets played. That yeah, seems like a good business idea. Yeah, so. well, to some degree, it is. Now, there's a lot of people that will say, yeah, but that's why these other games aren't getting any plays because people don't know about them. But yeah, there's the internet. That's that's kind of the way that these things work. Is and, it? and the advocates. Well, yeah, exactly, because there are plenty of shops that will expand on, like, if you get people who keep coming in and ordering stuff, eventually you will probably start to put it on the shelves if you know, because the thing is, as a store owner, is that if people come in and say, hey, do you have this thing? And you're like, no, but I can order it. A lot of times people will be like, yeah, I can order it too. You know what I mean? Right. Like I can get it off the, off right. the internet. Not, right. Right. Whereas if I wanted it now, if you had had it, I would now buy it. So right. when they start to get a lot of requests for a specific game, they generally have a tendency to go heavy in that game. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, because things are different than they used to be as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, uh, find out what's being played in your local area, though. It's super important because... Um, I mean, if you want to be playing with other folks, if you want to be having a lot of different play styles and play uh, experiences, mm-hmm. if you and your three friends just want to get together and always play in your basement and not really get other people involved... Pick the game you all want to play. Exactly. Then you all play whatever game it is that you're all interested in. That that totally makes sense. But if you want to be able to spread out into other areas uh, and to get other people in your group and all that kind of stuff... Um, then yeah, definitely finding out what's being played, looking through through Game Four and seeing like what kind of miniatures games are being sure. talked about, you know, in the in the app, that can help. A and, and, and besides just different brands, there's also different styles of of, of, of uh, miniatures, right? Like oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got you talked about historical, I think, yeah. right? So 
when miniatures first started, it was basically just there only was historical. Everybody was doing Napoleonics and uh, Civil War, American Civil War, and uh, and those were like the big ones. And you just pushed around like rows of people who were fighting against each other and things like that. And it was all about kind of rank and file, mm-hmm. those types of battles. It wasn't about moving individual folks and doing all that kind of stuff. It was more about just like, now this row of guys will go and fire and this will happen and that kind of stuff. Um, as kind of time passed, you started to see people getting interested. Like part of the reason that Dungeons and Dragons started was because people started getting interested in playing miniatures games based off of kind of fantasy tropes like Lord of the Rings. Right. And then they started doing that and then eventually these two guys, Gary and Dave, were like, you know what though? I just want this guy. Right. I don't want to push around a whole bunch of elves. I just want to run this one elf and just have his story. Yes. You know, and, and then this guy's like, I just want to do this one dwarf. And that's kind of where that came from. But as as miniatures went from being kind of like all historical moving into more fantasy again like very heavily influenced mm-hmm. by Lord of the Rings that's kind of when when Dungeons and Dragons kind of took off uh, or at least kind of launched so there was a game previous um, um, this is all by memory at this point so I'm, I could be wrong but there was a game previous to uh, Dungeons and Dragons called Chainmail thank you yep. yeah and Chainmail was basically like fantasy miniatures mm-hmm. and then when and then Dave Arneson and, and Gary Gygax were like mm, but I, what if I just want this one dude and then that's kind of where that came yep. from so um, you've got historicals you've got fantasy uh, fantasy is elves dwarves knights like you said Lord of the Rings sure exactly all that yep. kind of stuff um, I mean there is an actual Middle Earth miniatures game made by Games Workshop that's right it's yep. like a licensed kind of a thing but then they also have um, their own fantasy game there's tons of different companies out there with fantasy style games and they have different takes on fantasy and what that means it's not mm-hmm. all the same it's not always elves and dwarves and stuff like that but yeah it's kind of swords and sorcery and that kind of jazz um, but then of course there's also science fiction which is also very popular right now so you've got your your bigger your big hitters in that genre like Warhammer 40,000 um uh, the reason that it's called Warhammer 40,000, for those of you who don't know, is because it is basically like the 41st millennium. So it is like right, like if you were in the if you were in Warhammer 40,000, you had to write a check. It would be September, whatever, and then 40,000, 40, yeah, 40,000, and whatever. So yeah, yep. it's it's a very it's it's 38,000 years in the future. So it's it's kind of it's kind of wacky. But there are also plenty of other companies out there that are doing science fiction stuff as well. Um, Infinity is a skirmish style kind of sci-fi. It's almost got a bit of an anime thing to it a little bit. Not like, you know, anime girls kind of a look, but more like a lot of, um, I don't know, and not even like a Dragon Ball kind of a thing. It's just, it's a lot of like cool armor. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, that kind of stuff like that. Um, But that's a a popular game as well that that you're starting to see grow more in this country. It's originally from Spain. Mm. Uh... And then there's Steampunk, which in miniatures, probably one of the biggest two in Steampunk right now are probably Malifaux and um, War Machine. And like War Machine is literally Steampunk because they've got these giant honking robots that are driven by steam engines. Okay, yeah. But they have this magical, like they're called a Cortex, which is basically the brain that runs the robot. Okay. And then they have these war casters that tell the robot what to do during the battle. But they're steam-powered, so it's, he- it's literally steampunk in that situation. Whereas Malifaux is steampunk, but it's like... It's alternate history, Earth, 
probably 1800s. Okay. And there's magic and a whole bunch of shenanigans and stuff. But both of those games, Malifaux specifically, Malifaux is very skirmish. Like, in general, you play with six to ten models. Okay. Whereas um, a game like War Machine has expanded to the point where sometimes you're playing with maybe 20 models or maybe 25, um, you know, on average. But, yeah, that's another type of game. Um, And then there's modern games. So, like... And it's not always just military either. There's a, a fun game called Wild in the Streets, which is basically uh, a street fight um, between like crust punks and straight edge and oh, okay. metalheads and stuff like that. It's like very, uh, it's a it's a great game. That's uh, uh, the models are very interesting. They're very cool, but it's all basically like after a bunch of like shows get out downtown, then the different kind of people get together and have like a big street fight and that kind of stuff and or do a music video right well yeah exactly um but yeah that's kind of cool huh, otherwise in in, yep. in modern games you have military style games you know where that are more like desert storm style stuff and things like that you know and all that kind of stuff so um as you can tell there's a lot of these that will kind of cross them so oh you, absolutely but yeah. there's there you know really fine you know if you're trying to find one that maybe you're into there there's Kind of a flavor for everybody. Old West, uh, both historically and kind of alternate history. Old West. Yep. Um, pirates. Yep. You know, if you want to do that, uh, uh, there's a lot. Of, there's several games for that. So there's a lot of different games depending on what you want to play and what you want to build and paint. Like that's a right. big thing too. Like if you really want to paint like a pirate ship, well, you're probably not going to play, you know, Warhammer Forty Thousand. That's maybe not necessarily your jam, mm-hmm. you know. But if you really want to do that, then you're going to look at you know other games that that can do that kind of stuff. I can't think of the name of the pirate game that's that's big off the top of my head right now. It's made by Firelock Games or Flintlock Games. It's not Pike and Shot. Blood and Plunder, maybe. That sounds right. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah. there's a, there's so many though. There are so many to choose from that even me, who's pretty you know immersed how many in people it, are screaming at their probably well stuff right now. Five, maybe six people are screaming at their stuff. I, right I, now. I always swore I would never be that that person, and now here we are. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, there are so many different uh, genres and, and games for those genres that even a person like myself who's sort of immersed in it. All right, so th- they should. Okay, so you found you, you found the game you're going to play. The the style. Of the game. style. Of yeah, the yeah. And genre, you, you should will. just go buy a whole bunch of brand new models, put them together. Yeah, no, you just go to the store and just open up your checking account or whatever and get as much of it as possible. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, on to the next thing. Uh, no, actually, <laughs> what you should probably do is you should um, not do that you should not go and crank out a ton of money like that it's important i think instead to start small which is why we tell you to go with a skirmish game first right. but not only that but when you start getting into your hobby supplies and things like that brushes and paints and all that kind of stuff don't go and just like oh i'm gonna buy this huge kit of 200 colors yeah. and i'm gonna go buy this huge kit of like all these expensive brushes and stuff like that start with a small number of um of colors and start with cheap brushes Mm -hmm. and in in many situations i've if you're completely brand new to painting i would honestly tell you to go onto ebay and find some really cheap janky used models um that are already pre-built and whatever and just start painting on those Mm -hmm. um you can even go to like your local grocery store and buy like there's always like a weird little toy section in the grocery store you know okay yep so mom can get the kids to shut up or whatever um just get some army men i mean honestly and then prime them you know that kind of stuff now you have to really learn 
some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, as it turns out, luckily, we have this thing called the Internet, which is awesome. Tell me and, more. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and you may have heard of it. And, and it's um, there are lots and lots and lots of uh, resources out there on the Internet to teach you how to do this stuff. There's YouTube channels. I have a YouTube channel myself. Yes, you do. Uh, there's blogs. You have a blog have a yourself. Blog. Um, uh, and you should definitely go out and learn how to do that stuff. Right. You want to learn like the steps. Like I first start out by building the model, and then you have to go through and you want to scrape off the mold lines, and then you want to prime it, and then you want to start painting the base colors. Right. And then so all that kind basics. of jazz. Yep. All that stuff. The thing is, is that you also want to then actually do those things. Yes. There are plenty of people who just watch videos, and they are like, I'm preparing. I'm eventually going to start doing this, but I've been watching videos now for two years, and I'm getting almost smart enough right now. Watch videos, get the idea, and then start putting the paint to the model and start putting a brush in your hand. That's the important thing. Right. That's really important because you will learn far more by doing than you will by watching. You still need to learn. Mm-hmm. You need to, to get the information because there's a lot of people who would just start painting directly onto the plastic, and you kind of need to have primer in most situations where you're putting the primer onto right. the model. It's just a step that you may not have thought of, but once you've learned it, you see right. the benefit to it. Yeah, I, I would hear, like, uh, Jason got into painting before myself, so right. you two would be talking, and he would talk about, well, how do I thin my paint, or how do mm-hmm. I dry brush? I had no idea what that even meant, so, you know, I started looking up those terms and understanding what that was, but then go, I don't need to do that yet. So, right, you know, exactly. Not thinning, but dry brush, you know. Yeah, learning and kind of going step by step. What blending. You go online. Yeah, like absolutely. There's certain, there, yeah. there's certain techniques that are for fancy pros who are not even trying to paint stuff to play with. They're for painting stuff for display purposes mm-hmm. or to try to win contests, which is a whole different area. Um, and if you want to get to that point eventually, sure. Right. You know, but just if so you're you just trying to get stuff yeah. on the table that looks nice or even looks okay, that's really the important thing is to kind of learn these things. But really do the research and watch some videos and do all that kind of stuff and then actually start trying it and again on you know models you used models you got on ebay or army men that you bought at the grocery store or whatever that kind of stuff and, and buy the supplies that are relative you know related to what you you chose you know because you know pick your pick your armies and stuff so you know if they're built in plastic or resin sure or metal yeah yeah, yeah. Um, are you are you getting you know bright colors or are you getting you know army yeah. specific uniform colors like if you're trying like to, to paint a bunch of like knights in shining armor but you didn't buy any metallic paint well that's going to be kind of a tough one you know what i mean yep. so you know don't go again like i said don't go crazy and buy huge you know kits and things like that start out if you're if you know what you're painting if you're painting a bunch of elves go buy some like light skin color like light caucasian style skin mm-hmm. color buy some browns and some greens and maybe a couple other things and then you kind of go from right. there. And, there and there might be some kits that will save you a little bit of money but make sure you know why you're buying that right and that you you're really planning on buying all that there or, are some companies that sell paints that sell them in small kind of related colors so like if you're getting a if you're buying a um i mean scale 75 is one that i can think of off the top of my head where they sell uh, groups of bottles of paint that are like here's a here's skin tones yep. they go from everything from the darkest skin tones to the lightest mm-hmm. palest skin tones and now you have a bunch of skin tones in one box that's not a bad idea especially right. if you're gonna be painting a bunch of barbarians who are running around basically mm-hmm. their skivvies totally makes sense but buying that if you're painting space marines that are mo- predominantly in armor is not such a smart right. idea yeah like i was doing world war one that was right. the first thing i painted so i bought a set that was all the british which was the army i had chosen already yep, yep their army colors right exactly yeah. and then I, you know that gave me 80 percent of the color i needed right there and in historicals color is a bit more important 
you know like if you're doing fantasy and sci-fi these things don't actually exist so right. you can tweak them as much as you want use whatever head. colors you want but if you're saying I want these guys to look like these particular Belgians Belgians from you know World War II well then one of the benefits to historical gaming is you get to do a bunch of research to learn like what colors in 43 did they use for their pants and stuff like that right. if that's your jam Personally, uh, that's why I have a tendency to stick more to sci-fi and fantasy is because I like being able to make that stuff up on the fly. Mm -hmm. But that's that's kind of the thing. Um, and don't go... Like, there are plenty of companies out there that sell really expensive brushes. I can tell you right now, um, I mentioned Sam earlier, Sam Lenz. He's a, a pro, super high-end, award-winning painter. He does 80 to 90% of his work with really cheap brushes, like 5 for $6. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there's a lot that you can do with pretty inexpensive brushes until you get really good and then maybe you want to invest in some better brushes but man you can really get away right. with it right like you said with a guitar you don't go buy a $10,000 guitar right exactly when you're yeah. learning yeah yeah exactly no that's very true um and then I think one of the most important things is that you need to understand that it is a skill and you will be lousy at it at first both in the hobby portion you know the craft and in the game like you'll or play your first game and you will probably lose it's the, yeah that strategy is different it's exactly it's, every it's game is different it's like going from checkers to chess it's right exactly it's a very different thing because it's not on a board generally like if you're playing one of the skirmish or one of the gateway games we talked about at the beginning yeah you're maybe on a hex grid or a regular grid right but in a lot of normal miniatures games there is no grid you're right playing on an open board and there's trees and hills and castles yeah, learning and what you know how to properly do cover and and exactly you guys keep getting shot up. Well, that's because you were standing out in the middle of the open. You're like, right. well, but I thought I was out of range. Well, you weren't. You know, that kind of stuff. Yep. And finding somebody who's already playing, and, and again, finding a mentor, that's going to help because you don't want that first player who that you play against to just try to crush you. You want to be able to learn, but you also have to understand you're probably going to stink. at the Anything that you start at, you're kind of lousy at. Right. Um, and same with the painting, which is why I tell you to practice and until mm -hmm. you know you start working on some models that you don't care that much about and, and, that, and that kind of thing. Um, I would say that probably of the four main genres, uh, this is probably miniatures has probably got the steepest learning curve. Yeah, obviously overall, uh, you know, you know what I mean. Because like the other genres are more well in in board gaming. You know, there's strategy, but board games are all different, and you don't just play like a board game or a couple of board games. You're all over the board. Right. In in RPGs, you do have a tendency to maybe stick with a couple different systems. You have to understand those systems, and that's a thing. But you know, and in collectible card games, it generally you know it's. But still, in this it not only is it um, the game itself, but it's also then the the craft portion of it as well, and it mm -hmm. takes a long time. But it's a lot of fun. I mean, it takes a really long time to get to, like, those pictures that you see on the box when you're at the store. Right. But I can tell you that, like, if you sit down with somebody who's been doing it for even a little while, then they show you a couple of little quick tips, or if you go on to, like, YouTube or whatever and you find a bunch of stuff, you, you keep with it a little bit, you're going to start to surprise yourself with how good mm -hmm. you can get pretty quickly. Yeah, I remember the first time I, I normally painted after the kids went to, to bed. The first time I was painting and the kids were awake, I, I remember my daughter looking like the heck are you doing and it was yeah, just yeah. like she's like I didn't know you could do that and I'm like I didn't know I could do that exactly either. yeah yeah, and, and, and no, yeah I wasn't going to win an award for what I was painting but I was proud yeah and I, it was some pretty cool th things to do so, so much of the beginning in um, painting miniatures is honestly technique knowing mm -hmm. the technique um the super artistic artsy fartsy fancy stuff at the high end that's 
that's a totally different animal. But right. just getting like stuff that you're yeah. really happy with on the tabletop is is really just knowing some techniques, understanding and, and, and be, dry brushing and right. washing and all right. that kind of stuff. And, and be uh, be okay to fail. Exactly. It's okay to lose. It's okay to mess up a model. Even if it's a model that you you know like if you're not practicing on like stuff from eBay or you know Army Men or whatever. You can always strip the paint off. There's plenty of videos out there that will show you like the best chemicals to use, and they're not particularly toxic or expensive. Stuff I use, I get at the dollar store. Mm -hmm. Just dunk a model in there. You leave it a couple of days, you pull it out, get a toothbrush underneath the, um, the the tap in the kitchen, and just get the paint off of it, and yes. you're ready to go again. Yes, when I first started, I was like, I will never have to strip because I will do it right. And like first set of armies, yeah. uh, second set, I think, was when I had to strip. And yeah. I'd, I'd still do it for stuff either that I painted a long time ago that, I'm, that I want to repaint, I want to try to repaint it, mm -hmm. or it's stuff that I get on, um, like, again, on eBay. I found models on eBay that I'm like, I really right. want to paint that model, but I can't find it anymore. Right, and and the and kind of going on the uh, technique you were talking about with the terrain, yeah. same thing with the models. Don't go and prime 20 models right off the bat. Yeah, no, I agree. I do, agree. do your techniques on, like, one or two, and then... Once you get going, it is best to assembly line because you can get through stuff right. a lot quicker. I would say once you kind of get your, your feet under you, don't just be working on one model because I'll see people that are like, oh, I worked 20 hours on that one model. And I'm like, yeah, but you got eight, nine more guys in that squad. Right. You know, whereas because of the benefit to working in an assembly line situation is that when you do the boots on this guy, then you can do the boots on the next guy and you do the boots. And by the time right. you get back to the first guy, the boots are dry. Right. If you're doing one model, a lot of times you're waiting for paint to dry. Right. So, um, but on the other hand, you might like, I was the first time I had done the shrubbery. I yeah, was yeah. applying and I was like, Oh, well I'm just going to do it this way. And I did it to the six models I had painted. Right. And basically almost screwed them all up to the point where I thought I might have to strip it. I, sure, I was able yeah. to save them, but yeah, so yeah, it's it's it, it it's I I it sounds like we've been telling you not to start almost. Oh it yeah, it really is a fun uh, a hobby. I really love it. Um, it is my favorite of the gaming genres, and I I spend so much time working on that kind of stuff. Um, it's not again, it's not for everybody. There's some people who just want to play mm -hmm. and don't want to have to do all of this weird you know painting and whatever. Um, but I think it's a I I don't know. I I've I've found it to be such a stress reliever in my life. Um, and I really love the the, the result. Yeah, um, like I said, it, the, the the fact that I can do it when I can't necessarily get out of the house all the right. time. Exactly, exactly. It, is really what kind of it keeps you invested in gaming without having to be able to necessarily find other people to play with at all times and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, it's kind of hard to play Magic by yourself. Although now they've got it on a computer game, but yeah. computer games are a totally different thing yeah. altogether. So yeah. Anyway, so I hope that that's been helpful. Um, this one's going a little longer than usual, actually. But um, yeah. So thanks again for listening to this uh, episode of the Game Four podcast. If you've got questions or comments, and you're watching on YouTube, just please leave a comment below. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening via your favorite podcast player, or just aren't into the whole YouTube comment section thing, then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And lastly, uh, to find out more about the Game 4 platform designed to connect tabletop gamers and hopefully find you more miniatures games to play with exactly. people in your local area, please check out our website at www.imgame4.com. That is www.iamgameforcom Thanks. All right, thanks. <laughs>